Well, good morning, everybody. Morning. Welcome to Living Hope. Glad that you're here. Nothing like coming up to start the service and realizing my microphone's not uh, coming on. So I, I stole your mic for just a minute. I hope you don't mind. So uh, we like to be in our services with this greeting Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. We do believe that the Lord meets us here uh, right where we are. Whether you're here in the room with us, whether you're joining us online, the Lord is with us uh, by his Holy Spirit to speak to us, to encourage us, to heal, to give grace. Whatever it is that we come in needing today, God meets us in the reality that we live in. And I'm thankful for that. Amen. Amen. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving and let us sing psalms of praise to him. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. He holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to him for he made it. His hands formed the dry land too. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our maker. Join me in prayer, please. Lord, we give you all the worship, all the praise, all the honor and all the glory this morning and every morning after this, Lord. We, we thank you for gathering us here this morning. Those of us that are here in this building, those who are joining us online, those of us who will watch this later, Lord, we thank you, we praise you. Lord, for those of us that have gathered, we know that we have gathered some, to, some of us with very heavy burdens. But Lord, you have come to carry those burdens for us, to walk along beside us, to, to, to be in the midst of all of that, Lord, to bring us comfort and guidance and wisdom. We thank you, we praise you for that, Lord, especially, especially for those difficult situations that we have faced this week or we are going to be facing in the coming weeks. Lord, we thank you for those victories that you've given us this week, those, those places where you've met us especially, and you've talked to us, you've spoken to us about things that may be going on or, or things about ourselves that you've just needed to talk to us. I thank you for that relationship that you have, um, that you have worked to to bring about in our lives. Lord, you sent your son so that we could be in right relationship, so that we could have this friendship, this intimacy with you, Lord. Thank you for that, Father. I ask that you would be with us in the rest of this service in a, in a, in a, in a mighty way, in a special way, Lord. Father, I, I, just, I just ask that we would know your presence in a way that maybe we, we've needed today, maybe in a way we haven't sensed in a while. Just to know that you're in your sweetness and in your, in your fullness, Lord, that you are here, that you want to talk to us, you want us to talk to you, you want us to lay our burdens down. Thank you for being that God that desires that from us and with us. And Lord, be with Pastor Rich as he brings your word to us this morning in everything that is said and done for the rest of this service and for the rest of this day and week going forward. We want to give you honor and praise and glory above all else. And we pray these things in your holy name. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you. 
We're still gonna be waving across the room, so we're not quite ready to start mingling yet. Um, so wave at someone, say hello, and in the meantime, Pastor Rich is gonna come and bring us some announcements. Thank you, Pastor Judy, and thank you, musicians, for leading us musically this morning. We deeply appreciate your willingness to use your gifts and share those with us. Um, all, the, all the time spent honing your craft and rehearsing and all of that, is, uh, it shows up. So thank you so much for, um, for sharing that with us and helping us then to sing to the God who cares about us and who uh, we get a chance to praise and to worship. Uh, by way of announcements... Um, We'd love for you to go to livinghope.info slash connect, fill out that little connect card, and let us know how we can pray for you, or just let us know you're with us. Sometimes we have people that fill it out and just, they don't enter anything, they just put their name and they just hit send, just saying like, hey, I was watching online and wanted you to know I was here. And uh, sometimes people share, you know, things they really need prayer for, really need help with. So please uh, take advantage of that. And you can also go to livinghope.info slash give, and you can give online as well. And for all of us in the room, of course, we can just go to the back. There's little green cards you can write your note on, drop it in the offering box. And if you're giving today, you can drop that in the box as well. And, um, and then one thing you can do, you could write on your envelope or you could hit the little drop down if you're giving online is to give to Habitat. You guys are blowing me away. Um, I mentioned it last week again, and uh, like a whole bunch of you stepped up. I, I mentioned how I would love to see all of us participate in some way, even if you're just dropping a dollar in or something like that. And some of you have given a dollar, some of you have given five dollars, some of you have given 20, some of you have given a thousand. We are over $5,000 toward our $6,000 goal already. So congratulations to you guys for being generous and uh, just letting you know that's where we stand. So uh, I would love for all of us to put something in for that. Uh, really, if, even if it is just a dollar, uh, every dollar is helping to build that house. So uh, you talk to God about what he wants you to give to it, and then you give it. That's actually kind of what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, but before we get there, um, did have just a couple of other things. One, uh, we had it going on the screens earlier, and I stuck it on the back of your notes. I don't have anything to pop on the screen right now. But if you love to make cookies, we have a chance to partner with Hilltop uh, Neighborhood House, their food pantry. Uh, in a couple of Wednesdays from now, they're going to be giving away 200, like, uh, they're kind of Thanksgiving meals, but they're doing it more like a tailgate party. So they've got Duffy's wings and a bunch of other stuff, and we have the chance to provide dessert. So if you like to make cookies, uh, we need like 200 baggies with cookies or brownies or something like that in them. If you want to help, I know, uh, I think some of the youth group folks are going to be helping with that, and I've heard a couple of others just as I was bouncing the idea off people the last two days. Uh, but if that's you, if you love making cookies and would like to help, then uh, let us know. We'd love to, to have you uh, be a part of that. And... One other opportunity, volunteer opportunity, that's coming up in December. Uh, for, for years now, we've been involved with uh, shelter-type programs, ministries, helping people who are homeless get off the street, have a place to stay. Uh, we uh, were a part of the men's shelter before we had a building of our own. I mean, even the building that we were in behind Harley-Davidson, uh, we had volunteers from this church going to other churches, serving in the men's overnight shelter and staying the night and making sure those guys had a place to stay. And then we got into a building of our own back behind Harley-Davidson and a women's shelter started. Uh, that was a similar kind of a thing where they would stay in churches, different one each night of the week. And we were part of that for several years. I got roped into leading that for a while. Uh, but <laughs> that, we did that for a long time, including once we moved into this building. Um, that's why we've got a, a shower in the bathroom in the, off the elementary room there, because that was the room they were staying in. If they needed a shower, they could, they could use it here. Well, then that got absorbed into another nonprofit, Housing Opportunities in Town, did great work. Finally, we're going to have the chance to participate more directly again through Family Promise. Uh, it's a, a nationwide nonprofit that's been trying to get started here in Porter County. We've done fundraisers for them. The teens have done uh, Blues Project fundraisers for Family Promise in the past and other things. Uh, they are finally 
uh, easing into serving some families, families with kids. And we're going to have a chance, I think in December, I think in the first week of December, unless another church jumped on it. Um, basically, they would be here that whole week in the evenings. And so starting Sunday night, they'd be here, we'd provide dinner, they would, they would have... Uh, we don't know if it'll be one family, two families, up to four families. They'll have different rooms in the church that they'll be set up as bedrooms for them so they have some privacy. But we just, we're going to be looking for some volunteers to make and bring dinner. Uh, we're going to be looking for a volunteer who is just as willing to spend the night in another room. You know, you can sleep. You just have to have somebody in the building in case, like, there's an emergency or something. And, uh, and some people to help bring breakfast in the morning. And I think they're going to make, like, sack lunches for, for the, the kids and stuff in the morning before they head out. And then they have a day center to go to, or kids go to school, or parents go to work, or whatever. But, um, but there'll be seven nights there, from Sunday night to Saturday night. If you're interested in helping with that, let me know, all right? Jot it on one of those cards. Let me know on the, on the little uh, digital connect card. Grab me after the service and say, hey, I'd really like to be a part of that. And uh, then, then we'll, we'll know we have enough people to make that thing go. Um, and we'd rather it not be like three people having to do it all, you know, <laughs> like, like one of you might say, I can do one night a week, or I can bring dinner this night or something, um, and we might just order pizza if there's a night that there's nobody that can make something, and there's nothing wrong with that, so if you'd like to be a part of that uh, coming up, let me know, and we'll plug you in. Um, I thought there was one other, oh, there was one other thing, and uh, this is just, I was, somebody in the church looks like they might need uh, some support, some people, they might be needing to go to Chicago for some medical things. Uh, they're still just kind of working out um, what that's going to look like. If you would be willing someday uh, to take a turn, taking somebody up to the hospital in Chicago for uh, medical treatment and then driving them back, I don't know, some of you uh, going to Chicago is no big deal. Some of you like, nope, I'm not driving on those roads, you know. Um, some of you aren't available to because of work, but if you're available and you're interested in helping, uh, it looks like we might, that might be something that happens. Um, and I can get more details to those of you who need to know it. All right. So today we're starting a little three-week series on everyone's favorite topic, the thing they're hoping to hear about when they come to church on Sunday. Uh, talking about money. Uh, more specifically, talking about giving. And, uh, and some of you right now are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I showed up today. Um, and don't turn it off yet, okay? All right. Uh, because let me, let me just jump to what I think is probably the most important verse I'll, I'll read all morning. And if you open up your notes, you see there's a whole lot of them. But uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, it says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. For those of you in the room with paper, it's in bold there on the right-hand side. All right? This is, we do not believe in twisting your arm or trying to guilt you into giving anything. Uh, you guys already, my, my belief is that most of you want to be generous. You want to give uh, to the church, to missions around the world, to Habitat for Humanity, to Family Promise, to all sorts of good things that you have a chance to give to. We just find ourselves stuck sometimes. And so what I'm going to try to do today in these next two weeks is to help us get unstuck, to get good at this generosity thing, to, to make some progress there so that each of you, as you decide in your hearts what to give, will find yourselves able to give and to give cheerfully. That you won't be giving reluctantly or because somebody compelled you to, like some pastor who stood up and showed you pictures and made you feel bad and, oh, man, I can to give to that. You know, we're not doing that, all right? Um, because God loves a cheerful giver. He wants you to give what you've decided in your heart to give. So, all right, just making sure that you know that right up front, Okay. The idea this morning is that one of the things that holds us back sometimes is because we have this idea about giving, about charity, about being generous, that this is something that like, we just have to do, that we've got to do. That it's like one of the rules in God's long list of rules is that you've got to give. 
Um, some of you have heard pastors stand up and preach from this passage from the prophet Malachi in the Old Testament. Um, it says, will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? This is God speaking. Um, but you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Now, depending on the pastor, they might emphasize that last part and how God will bless you so richly and abundantly in response to your generosity, or they might emphasize the earlier part about how you're robbing God, and if you don't give God that full tenth, if you don't put that in the box or in the plate or, you know, online, if you don't give that uh, to your local church, that 10% of your income, gross, not net, of course, uh, then you are robbing God, and you're under a curse, and you're causing your whole nation or your whole family to be under a curse, and, and I know that some of you, that's your perspective on it, okay? And if that's your take on this, I'm not, that's fine, all right? That's, that's fine. I don't want to, uh, I don't want to give the impression that, like, because I know we've got folks in our church that have told me, like, I give in part because I, I believe that if I don't give, that I would be missing out on God's blessings. I would be under a curse. And so I, now those same folks are quick to tell me they've never regretted it. They've never regretted giving generously to God. They're glad that from decades ago when they had almost no money that they began to tithe, that they began to give their tenth uh, to God uh, through, through his church. And they're thrilled and they can testify to the ways that God has shown up. All right. I, when God says to his people, uh, his people Israel, back this is, you know, thousands of years ago, when he says, test me in this and see if I won't, you know, throw open the floodgates and bless you in return, people have tested him. You know, we've tested him in our family. You know, we've, we've said, okay, God, we're going to give as generously as we think you'd have us to give, and we feel like God has blessed us in return, all right? But if you go into this with an attitude of, like, that, to me, that is, like, emblematic of the, of the got-to mentality. You've got to give. You know, you're sinning if you don't give, and God will be angry or throw a lightning bolt or something at you if you don't give. Um, and, of course, we latch onto that tithe idea of giving that, that 10%. Now, ancient Israel was a different scenario than today and, and the modern day in our church and the way things are set up. I mean, this was like one-third of their tax system. You know, they were, they were required to give this to the temple uh, to provide for the sacrificial system and the priests and all of that, as well as uh, they were required to give a portion that would go to the poor. And that's why it says, you know, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so there may be food in my house. God's referring to the temple as his house, and they would be actual food because they were agrarian or they were, you know, they'd have grain and they would be bringing grain and there were storerooms in the temple to store the grain in so that when hungry people came, they're like, okay, yes, here's some grain and they could give them food. Our, our setup is a little different today. You know, most of us aren't farmers and most of us, our income is handled differently and this isn't the temple. The church is a, is a different beast uh, than the, uh, the temple of the Old Testament. Besides, if we, if we approach this thing with a got-to kind of attitude, like, man, I've got to do this, or it's, you know, or God's going to be angry with me, it's just kind of hard to be cheerful, you know, to be that cheerful giver that God loves when you're thinking, ah, I just got to do this, right? Uh, how many of you love it when you're given a task to do by a boss, by a parent, by a spouse, you know, and they're saying, come on, this has got to get done, and uh, usually we don't say, oh, good, I'm so excited to do that task, right? Um, if we've got to do something, it's usually just, it loses some of its energy, some of its fun, some of its, yeah, it might even be something you enjoy doing, but when you've got to do it, like, oh, man, you know. So instead, we're invited to approach giving as something that we get to do, something we get to participate in. 
something that we get to have some decision-making uh, power with. You know, like that verse just said, give what you decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That's been kind of a theme verse for us when it comes to giving for decades now. If you do drop anything in the box, you'll see there's this little kind of tattered piece of paper sitting in front of it that has that verse in it because that verse has been sitting in front of that offering box for a long time now. In fact, one of the reasons that we use an offering box in the back instead of passing baskets like a lot of churches do or plates or something is because way back when, 20 or 21 years ago, whenever I was preaching my first little series like this, I thought, man, we used to do the offering like after the message as part of our response to God. And, um, and I didn't want anybody thinking like, all right, pastor's going to get up there and talk about money. And then, okay, here you go. Let's see if you're going to do it. You're passing the plates. You better give something, you know, better be obedient. I didn't want anybody thinking that. So we had somebody make us a little box and we put it in the back and just said, hey, guys, for the next few weeks, if you want to give, just drop it in the box on your way in, on your way out. And uh, people liked that so much, we just kept it. You know, why not? Um, instead of making a big production out of it or giving, a, giving it a chance to turn into something where you might be tempted to do it for show so somebody else sees what you're giving, um, we just eliminated all that, put a box in the back. And, and many of you uh, slip your gift in there when no one's looking or, uh, or give online now and nobody would ever know. So... This is not a, a got-to kind of a thing. Uh, and if we approach it that way, yeah, of course, we're going to feel kind of stuck. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hamper us from being as generous as God would like us to be and as we would like to be. So this, uh, that verse comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Those two chapters of 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9 are this fantastic little conversation that the Apostle Paul has with some early Christians in the town of Corinth. You know, they're there in the Greco-Roman world, kind of the Mediterranean. Someday I'd love to, to go visit these places. I've got a friend of mine on Facebook who is on one of these tours right now, and he's sharing all these pictures of all these places that he's visiting, towns that we read about in the Bible. And it's like, oh yeah, someday, someday we're going to make that trip. Got a couple of boys to deal with for a while first, but then someday we'll, we'll take that trip. Maybe we'll get to take them with us. But so this is this town, uh, Corinth, that if you've read these two letters, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, you know this was not one of Paul's easier assignments. You know, this was not one of Paul's easiest groups to deal with. They had some issues. They had some problems. They kind of were proud of their own spiritual superiority, they felt like. They didn't need anybody telling them what to do or offering them correction. And that led to all kinds of, well, as you can imagine, all kinds of issues that he has to address in these couple of letters. And he has visited them, and, uh, and one thing that comes up in these two chapters, as he's making his way to all these different churches around the Mediterranean, he is uh, mentioning to them the great need that's taking place back in Jerusalem. Um, he's primarily talking to Gentile Christians out here, Greeks and Romans, and the Jewish part of the church is suffering. They are struggling. They've gone through famine. They've had great difficulty. They have very few resources, and they're needing help. And so what he's doing as he travels around is letting them know about the need, and people are stepping up to give. And we'll, you can read some of that. I, I might end up skipping that part because there's a whole lot there, and, and some of you are looking at the number of verses there in your handout, and you're thinking, oh my gosh, it's going to take forever to get through this. I'm probably going to skip part of it. But he's being very careful. He's got companions with him. Just like on Sundays, uh, uh, after Sundays when we count the offering, we always have a couple of people present to make sure that you know, nobody's you know, got a chance to slip that you know, bill in their pocket or anything like that. You know, we keep an eye on each other. We try to do everything above board to make sure that there's no questions about what happens uh, to the money that, uh, that appears here at the church. Um, it's why I can't sign checks. It's all that stuff. Paul's being really careful with this gift. He's got other people with him so that they can make sure everything's above board and that everybody knows if you give this to us, it's not going to go in our pockets. It's going to go to the need there in Jerusalem. 
And the Corinthian church got excited about this when they first heard. And now Paul is preparing to come back by. He's making his swing back around, and he's, he's sending Titus and some others along with this letter to help prepare them so that when he shows up, they are ready. They're ready to participate. They're, they're ready to do this as a get-to kind of thing and not a got-to kind of a thing. So let me, let me just read to you, starting at the beginning of, of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, where it says, And now, brothers and sisters, we want, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. So Corinth is in Achaia. Macedonian churches got like Philippi, like the letter to Philippians, this might include them. Um, it says, the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, which means this is something only possible by God's grace. They gave more than he was expecting, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. Does that sound like people who are like, oh man, we got to give to this? Oh man, they cornered me, you know, at the, this thing, and the, the person's asking me now, and I, I, they're looking me in the eye, and how am I supposed to say no? They're right in front of me, you know. No, it's not that kind of thing at all. This is, this is a get-to kind of experience. They are begging, please, would you let us share in this service to the Lord's people? And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we've kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. He's saying, you guys are good at so much, and there might be a little sarcasm here. You know, I, I know Pastor Judy always mentions like the sarcasm that she sees in the scriptures, and there might be a little sarcasm on this part. Oh, you guys are good at everything, right? You're good at this, you're good at that. I mean, you've told me just how good you are spiritually, just how, you know, just how holy you are and how excellent you are. When it comes to all things spiritual, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Giving for Paul is, a, is an act of grace. That's what he called it just a, a couple sentences earlier. It's, it's an opportunity to participate in God's work. You know, just like the Macedonians were, were pleading to share in this service to the Lord's people. We get to share in the work that God is doing in the world. We've talked about this before, that when God hears people's prayers, the way he answers them typically is through people. You know, if somebody out there is crying out to God, God, I don't, don't know what I'm going to do. I need help. God usually doesn't just, you know, drop a care package out of the clouds. He usually taps one of his kids on the shoulder, causes you to bump into that person and to hear their story, and then to be moved with compassion and to act generously to help meet their need, to answer their prayers. He says giving is an, is an act of grace that we get to participate in. That's how he started it all out, saying, I want you to know about the grace God's given the Macedonian churches. They, they were poor, they were struggling, but they were overjoyed to find out that they could partner with God, that they could partner with the churches of this whole region to help meet the needs of their brothers and sisters there in another part of the world. People they likely never would meet, but they, God gave them the grace of participating in this, following in the way of Jesus. That's where he goes next in verse 8. He says, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. You know, you're, you're talking about how 
you love, and you're, you're talking about how you want to do this. You want to give generously. Okay, well, so I'm letting you know. You know there are other people are, are earnest, are excited. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Saying this grace that you get to participate in when you give, when you give to help meet a need, when you give to someone else. And he's not even talking here, just for clarity's sake. Some of you might be thinking this in the back of your heads. Wait a minute, Rich. He's not talking about giving like a Sunday offering. He's talking about a special project. He's talking about something you give, you know, to meet a need. You're going to give to some other people. Not that you're going to give to some pastor or to some church or something like that. That's true. All right? I'm not going to pretend that's not, that's not the case. But this is just one example that I think fits any opportunity to give to whatever the cause, whatever the mission, whatever the, the opportunity to partner with. If you see God at work doing something good in the world and you get to be a part of it, that's something that brings us joy. And it's an act of grace on our part. It's where we get to share in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, who though he was rich, for our sake became poor, so that we, through his poverty, might become rich. Uh, in Philippians chapter 2, he talks about it another way. I didn't have this in there, but if you read Philippians chapter 2 later, it talks about how Jesus empties himself. Even though he was uh, in very nature God, he emptied himself and became, humbled himself, taking on the nature of a servant all the way to death on a cross, and then God exalted him and lifted him up. But he, he did that for us, emptied himself for us so that he could lift us up with him. So then he continues, here's my judgment about what's best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first, not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. So as he's making his way through the first time, they were like, well, yeah, we want to participate in this. And here, here, we've got something right now, you know, it's just what's in my pocket now. Here, go ahead. And from reading other verses, it sounds like they had made a plan to like regularly continue that collection so that when he came back through, they would have, have some, some stuff collected. And uh, so he says... Uh, you know, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now, finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. Now, before I get to that according to your means part, which is huge, um, just want to say many of us are eager, but we struggle with the completion, right? Many of us are eager to give, but we struggle with, like, making it happen. And we'll, we'll get into some of the nitty-gritty of that in these next couple of weeks, all right? Um, today, we're thinking more about the motivation of it and kind of the framework for it all. We'll get into some of the rubber meets the road stuff in these next couple of weeks. And I, I've talked with a couple of you, like last uh, Wednesday at the Bible study, but if any of you right now are saying like, hey, I've got a question. If you're going to spend three weeks talking about money and giving, I've got a question when it comes to money and what God thinks about it, what the Bible says about it. If you've got one of those questions, let me know. Um, there's a great chance I can, you know, work it into one of the next two messages, all right, and address your specific question. So please let me know if you have a question you'd love to see addressed these next two weeks. All right, so he's just saying... You're willing, now let's go ahead and, and do what you said you wanted to do, according to your means. Now, this is one I could have, I put some of these verses in bold for you in the handout. I could have done this one as well, because this is huge. And some, for some of you, this will be a, a huge weight off your shoulders. You'll breathe a huge sigh of relief when you read these words. It says, for if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Right? He's saying if you're willing to give and willing to participate in this grace of giving, this act of grace, he says your gift is acceptable according to what you have. God isn't expecting all of us to give the same, right? He's not expecting all of us to, to be able to give the same dollar amount or even the same percentage, I don't think. 
You know, there are some folks where, just to use that 10% tithe idea again, there are some folks for whom that is like no big deal. It's like, oh yeah, that's easy. I can give 10%, you know, because your income is large enough and your, your, your expenses are small enough that giving 10% is like, oh, okay, sure. Yeah, let's do that. Boy, yeah, we should, we should be doing that, shouldn't we? Yeah, let's, let's make that happen. And you have to trim a little bit here and there, you know, but it's not a huge burden for you. Others of you, it's like 10%. I don't know how that would even be possible given our circumstances right now. I, I have no, I don't even know how we could get there, you know. And, you know, that just seems, for, for some folks that, for whom 10% is easy, God probably is not saying like, yep, give 10% and then we're all good. God might be saying like, yeah, you know what? You could give a lot more than 10%. You know, there are, there are folks that they make that their goal. How much can they give, you know? Um, what percentage of their income can they give away? And there are folks that have given away 50% of their income. There are folks who have who've worked out ways to give even more than that because they've laid the groundwork, they've been responsible, they've you know, done all the stuff that they could do, and in their case, it was possible to make that happen. I mean, that's just not the case for all of us, right? And so what he's saying to them, and what I think the Spirit of God would say to us today, if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. So you don't look at the amount that somebody else gave, or you don't hear that some people gave $1,000 to the Habitat thing, or that somebody is willing to match $6,000 worth, you know, you don't hear that and think, oh, well, then my gift doesn't matter. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, look, if you're willing and you want to participate, God's not comparing those dollar figures and saying like, oh, you're better than, than you over here. No, I, I have been most impressed over the years with the generosity of some of the folks in our church who have the least. People who I... I know what their income is. They're on fixed income. They're getting, you know, they're getting help from the government, and they don't have a lot of wiggle room, but then they hear about some need or they, they hear about some opportunity to give, and they give so generously. They find a way to give something. i got to tell you, that's, that's moving, right? If the willingness is there, the gift's acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. And then he continues, our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality, you know? He's not asking you to give so that the pastor can go buy a private jet while you don't have enough money to fix your car, right? He's, he's saying, I'm not, I'm not wanting them to have a life of luxury while you are struggling. No, no, we're just trying to balance things out. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. As it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. He's, he's reaching back to the story of the Exodus. Now, God supplied that daily bread, that manna for his people, and when they went out and gathered, they were all able to gather just as much as they needed. They weren't able to gather too much. If they did, it spoiled. It went bad. And nobody had too little. They all had enough. And he's saying, that's just what we're looking for here as well. Right now, you have extra and you have a chance to meet the needs of others who don't have enough. These things can, can balance. And someday down the road, they may have extra, and you won't have enough, and they will be able to return the favor. But that's what he's looking for. Now, I think I am going to skip these next few verses that talks about how they're, they're trying to be responsible, and they've got Titus and these other brothers who are, who are uh, helping with the offering. I'm going to go ahead and skip to chapter 9, so there should be a little gap in the, in the slides in between chapters 8 and 9. And... and uh, and one, a verse that says, there is no need for me to write to you. Um, let's, let's go ahead and, and hit chapter 9, where he says, There's no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people. For I know your eagerness to help, 
I've been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year you and Achaia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. Isn't that great? We can, what's, what's the verse that uh, is used in another part of Scripture, that we're supposed to spur one another on toward love and good deeds? Um, that's where it's okay sometimes to like, I don't want to say be competitive, but it's okay sometimes to, to share that joy when you are participating in something and you're giving to something that you're making a difference in the world. It's okay to say, hey, man, you guys, you got to participate too. Paul says, I've been telling everybody how you guys were ready to give and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. Uh, but I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready, as I said you would be. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you'd promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. You know, he's saying, you guys were eager to do this. I've been telling people about your eagerness. They've been excited. And if any of them are just super excited to meet you and to hear, you know, and they come with me, I want them to see that, like, yeah, you guys are still excited. And you're able to give generously and that you're prepared, not that you're, you know, we're showing up and you're like, oh, we forgot. Yeah, we spent all that money already on, you know big screen TVs or whatever. Um, so I, I, want, I want you to make sure that you're ready so that you're not giving grudgingly, you know, trying to meet your pledge or whatever. You'll just be ready with this generous gift. And we're getting close to that, that verse that we read earlier. He says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. He's going back to that idea. You just put a couple of seeds in the ground. You're only going to have a couple of plants. There's not going to be much harvest. You, you throw a lot of seed out there. You're going to have a lot of grain that grows. You're going to reap generously. You get to decide how sparing or how generous you want to be. Each of you should give what you've decided in your hearts to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it's written, they freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. It's referring to people who are, who are generous, who are free, free in their giving. Uh, I think some other translation talk about this liberal uh, gift, or this liberality, this generosity. It says, so if you want to be like that, this righteousness endures forever. And that's where he says, now he who supplies seed to the sower, bread for food, will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So God, who is the source of everything that we have, and we'll talk about this some, some next week, that you know, God is the source of everything that we have. We are just stewards of what God, of what God has entrusted to us. It's the basic framework for us as Christians when it comes to our stuff, our money, our time, our lives, our relationships. Everything that we have has been entrusted to us by God. And so it's God who supplies seed to the sower, that he gets to decide how sparing or generous he's going to sow that seed. And it's God, on the other end of things, who provides bread for food, who makes sure that the crops grow, makes sure the harvest is good enough, that you have everything that you need. He says, this, this God will also supply and increase your store of, of seed, you know, your, your opportunity to give, and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. He, he doesn't say, you know, like some of the TV preachers do, you know, you plant your little seed of faith by giving to this ministry so I can buy that jet, and God will bless you, you know, a hundred times over or whatever, all right? He says there'll be a harvest of, of righteousness, a harvest of doing the right thing, a harvest of having participated in the work that God is doing in the world, and it's a beautiful thing to be a part of. He says you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. 
He's saying, you listen to what God says to do with his stuff. You prayerfully talk to God and decide in your heart what he would have you to give to your church, to that mission project, to Habitat, and God will help you to be able to do that. If God tells us to do something, he always helps us be able to do it, right? I mean, this applies in every area of life. If God tells you to to go and and talk to that person and to be compassionate because he knows they need a listening ear, God's going to help you be able to do that to be able to make the time for that conversation, to, be, to, to have the right words to say when you're, when you're having it, to be able to approach them with kindness and patience and gentleness and all the rest. You know, if God tells you to do something, if he leads you to do something, he's going to give you the ability to do it. And he says the same goes with being generous and giving. He says if you want to give, he says God will enrich you so that you can be generous on every occasion. He says and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. As you give this gift, people will be thanking God because you participated, because you were eager to do so. I, I should mention just briefly um, that, of course, um, we encourage you to give to Living Hope to support the mission that God has called us to here. And uh, I'm grateful for that in part because it, it provides for, for me to be able to do this full time, provides a salary and, and part-time salaries for a couple of other folks. And, um, and of course, some of you give you know, generously, regularly, to make sure that the lights are on, that we can fix things that break, and all the day-to-day stuff that goes on through the church. And as I mentioned before, uh, a chunk of what of every dollar given to us as a church goes out from us to support missions around the world, not local-type stuff. Um, missions globally. We had the, the folks here from Africa Nazarene University. You know, they get some support from the World Evangelism Fund, that like 5% or so of everything that we give, that I give, that my wife gives, that our family gives, you know, us as a church give, that goes to the World Evangelism Fund. And some goes to district things around Northwest Indiana. Uh, some goes to scholarships for college kids. Some goes to uh, pensions plans for retired missionaries who are, you know, never had a chance to earn much of a living and, uh, and frankly don't get a lot in their pensions. But we get to help support that in some way, at least. Um, every dollar you give goes out to that. And then we present you with opportunities to give to other things. And you guys are incredibly generous. You know, whether it's Habitat, which we've done, this is our second year now doing that in the fall. Um, every uh, December, we give you a chance to give to that warm a home tree uh, that goes to First Contact here in town. Uh, they try to be a, a resource that several churches can all work together to funnel resources into one place so that when someone's in need, they don't have to visit every church in town. They can go to one place who can then make sure that they're aware of how to connect with the trustee and how to connect with other resources in town as well as the money that's been given uh, through the churches. And you guys have given generously to that. Every, um, every February, we invite you to, to give your bras and your friends' bras to free the girls. Um, this... Um, this work that is helping women escape uh, from sex trafficking in other parts of the world. And we may have somebody this next, uh, either end of January, early February, somebody from Free the Girls come and talk with us about what that looks like and the ways that they're expanding. And some of you may decide to give not just bras, but money, you know, to to support that work. Um, Every Mother's Day, we encourage you to give to the Women's Center of Northwest Indiana, helping women who find themselves pregnant and are contemplating um, ending that pregnancy with abortion to come alongside them and to help them and support them as they uh, hopefully make the decision to, to choose life for that child. Um, and there, oh, and I shouldn't forget uh, uh, World Vision. Good grief. Every, every spring for the last several years, we've been doing the 6K for water. And a whole bunch of you have walked in that, run in that, encourage your friends to give to that. And uh, man, that's been huge. It's been great to participate in that. And I'm hoping to run the marathon with them this next year. Still working out the logistics of how to make that work with family and all of that. Um, 
but you know, I'll be inviting you to give to support that as well, you know, to support clean water for people in other parts of the world. That's what all of that goes to. And you guys give generously to that. My hope is that whenever those kinds of opportunities or the opportunities that pop up in your own lives, just an individual who needs help or some other nonprofit that you know you uh, care about or that you want to contribute to, that each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, it, which means it's not just a spur of the moment thing. It's not just a, oh man, I'm caught off guard, you know, <clears throat> that you can have a have planned ahead of time how generous you want to be. I know for Stacy and I, we, we've gotten to the place where we decide every year, like, okay, here's how much, like we do it in percentages. Here's a percentage of our income this next year we want to give and, and we'll give this much to the church. And then we each get kind of a little, uh, bit of money that we keep track of on a little Google sheet, you know, like what we're going to give to whatever we want to give to, because there were times we were disagreeing about, you know, you want to give to that? I don't want to give to that. I'm like, look, let's just have our own. You can give to whatever you want. Well, I'll give to whatever I want. All right. And so we can give to whatever we want to with that money. But we planned ahead to do that. So that when I see a friend is involved in something or they do a Facebook fundraiser for something or they, or there's a need, an individual in town that comes to me for help, I've got some money that I can give to that thing without having to wonder like, oh, how much do I have on me? Or, or you know, it's, it's been planned for. We've decided in our hearts, this is what God would have us give. And so we don't give it reluctantly or under compulsion. We're able to give it cheerfully. And that's what I would like for, for all of us. Now, I know our situations are all very different. Again, uh, there are some of you for whom your circumstances Right now, like you're being generous is going to be mainly by being generous with your time. You know, you're going to be generous in other ways because right now the financial thing is just, it's not in a place uh, where you can uh, be as generous as you want to be. But as we are generous with what God has entrusted to us, all of what he's entrusted to us, our resources, our time, our abilities, all of that, then God enables us to be generous on every occasion and that generosity then results in thanksgiving to God. And that's how he closes it out. He says, this service you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Again, this is God's grace at work in your life. We, we spent weeks talking about God's grace in all of its different forms as, as we go on this journey of discipleship, of following in the way of Jesus. And it's a good thing to experience God's grace. You know, to, to see his grace guiding us and leading us through life. It's, it's amazing to experience God's saving grace as he forgives our sins and, and removes the guilt and shame of the, the things that we've done and, uh, and lets us know that we are embraced by him as his children. It's, it's a beautiful thing to see God's grace continue to be at work in our lives as he, as he sanctifies us, as he sustains us, as he, as he changes us, transforms our lives. It's a beautiful thing to experience God's grace in the, in the act of grace, this, this grace of giving. That's where he just ends. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And I don't know what Paul had in mind there for thanking God for his indescribable gift. He might have been thinking about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ again and how he came to us in our poverty so that, so that we might become rich, so that we might you know, experience the righteousness of God in exchange for the, the death that our sin had brought. He might be thinking of the, of the gift that God gives that we get to participate in the work that's being done in the world. My hope 
is that as you think about giving, uh, that you can get rid of all the got to thinking, like, oh, I've got to do this or God's going to be angry with me. And you can get on the side of thinking, you know what, no, I, I get to participate. I've been invited to participate in the work God's doing in the world. I want to experience his grace flowing through me into the lives of others. What can I do to, to rearrange my, my finances? What can I do to, to be ready so that when those opportunities come, I can be guided by God and we can decide in our hearts, what can we give cheerfully? Let's bow our heads and let's, let's pray before we celebrate communion together. Thank you, God for being so generous toward us. Again, to thank the, of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ who came to us in the messy reality that we live in, uh, damaged by sin, broken by sin. I mean, we were, according to the Bible, we were dead in our sins. We had killed a part of us that, that should be alive to you and alive to others. And, and you came to us, Jesus, and out of love for us, you gave your life. And because you conquered sin and death and the devil by your death and resurrection, today we can have life. Today our spiritual poverty is, is flipped around and we get to share in the, in the riches of your grace. Help us, God, to excel in this grace of giving. Help this to be something that we want to do, that we want to be a part of so that we will be motivated to, to rearrange our lives around how can I participate in this amazing work that God is doing in the world? How can I let his grace flow through me? Thank you, God, for those opportunities when we get to be that funnel for you, where your grace, your generous love gets to flow through us into the lives of others. And thank you, God, that there are others who have done that for us, that we have opportunities at times to be the recipients of such grace to receive the help when we need it. God, I pray you would help us to be good givers and good recipients, that all of this can be an experience of your grace, that none of us would feel shame when we need to receive help, and that none of us would get proud when we have the opportunity to give it, but that we can all just recognize that we get to participate in this amazing grace of yours. Thank you, God. Thank you for this sacrament that reminds us again today of the way that you meet us here and remind us of your generous love. We offer to you these gifts of bread and juice, and we pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. Remembering, Lord Jesus, that you, you said to your disciples as you broke the bread and gave it to them, eat this in remembrance of me. This is my body broken for you. As you took the cup, you said, drink this in remembrance of me. This is my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This seals the new agreement, the new covenant between God and humanity. And so today, Lord Jesus, we do remember and we, we lift our hearts up to you, uh, hearts full of gratitude for the grace and the love that you've shown us in Jesus Christ. We give ourselves to you all that we are, grateful that you forgive our sins, those wrongs that we have done that we should not have done, those good things we should have done that we, we backed away and didn't do, all of those sins, God, as we confess them to you, you are faithful and just. You forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you again, God, for being gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. 
you have shown us this love in Jesus Christ. And we are so thankful that we get to participate in his victory over sin and death and the devil. That we get to participate in your good work. So God, as we offer you ourselves, we pray that by your Spirit's transforming, gracious work in our hearts and lives, that we might live in this world as the body of Christ, as your hands and feet, as your sons and daughters, participants in your amazing grace. Thank you, God. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus has taught us? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. As we celebrate communion, the musicians are going to come and lead us in a song that reminds us of that last phrase of the prayer, that yours is the kingdom and the power of the glory. It all belongs to you, God. And um, so we're going to celebrate communion together. Uh, if you are saying yes to Jesus today, if you're hungry for his grace, then you're invited to come forward as we sing, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice and eat it, and then return to your seats. We've got the regular bread and the gluten-free, and we've got the little individual cups. And if, if you don't want to join the procession, if you, but you do want to celebrate communion, we have the little individual cups on the tables, and you can participate that way as well. So this is our chance to say thank you, God for the amazing love you've shown us in Jesus Christ. Let's celebrate. Thank you, God, for being so gracious to us. Would you fill us with the spirit of Christ? Fill us with your grace so that we might participate in your good work that you're doing in the world, that we might extend your grace and your love, your generosity that you have given us, that we can extend that to the people around us to represent you well Thank you, God. Thank you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, may the grace of our Lord Jesus, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.